Hello and welcome to The Game Is About Glory. I'm your host, Steph, and joining me tonight is Milo. Hello, mate. How are you? I'm very well, mate. How are you? Very good. Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Um, And look, uh, we've got the week off from the Premier League. Um, Milo and I thought it'd be fun to take a look at our under-21s, under-18s, just discuss how our youth and academy setup has evolved. And I think we also want to discuss a very important interview that our academy director, Simon Davies, gave via the club's podcast recently. And, you know, that really does offer some insights into all of this and much more with regards to youth football. Um, I just want to make this very clear. Milo spearheaded this week's pod concept, and he, as I'm sure many of you listening already know this, but I'm going to state it anyway, he's regular viewer of our under 21s and under 18s whereas i think it's fair to say i'm more representative of the casual observer who catches the highlights and tends to view youth players through the prism of you know having watched loads of football for decades as opposed to any deep uh, intrinsic knowledge of you know the players we're going to discuss so i'm going to be looking to milo for the more detailed breakdown on some of these issues and indeed some of our exciting young players and we'll both be discussing the wider concepts uh, behind everything that's going on currently at the club in terms of youth development and academy football. Uh, Before we start, though, mate, I do think it's somewhat fitting that Liverpool's crash beat Chelsea today in the Carabao Cup (laughs) final. (laughs) It's quite funny. It's uh, it's funny how we come up with a topic and then it becomes... Kind of more apt as they get closer to record. So yeah, yes, the it's it's uncanny, some might say, but uh, yeah, that it, it it was really something to witness. But let's get to our club and let's get to the exciting journey that our academy is uh, really somewhat at the beginning of. I think it's fair to say, um, our under twenty ones played Fleetwood uh, at White Hart Lane in the last sixteen of the Premier League Cup. Um, but before we get started on that game, uh, I think what's really important in the you know in the prep we were doing for this Milo is that there's an overview um you know on both how the season is going for the under 21s but also the context behind why it's such an impressive season so why don't you bring us in on that yeah I mean, they're having a great season they're unbeaten in Premier League 2 after 12 games was 11 wins and one draw and the draw was against second place West Ham who we played last weekend and despite playing two games less than West Ham we're four points clear of them so we're kind of running away with it um, and what's remarkable about that is that we were relegated from Premier League 2 at the end of last season and only got an 11th hour reprieve in the summer when they changed the format of the competition. Um, so we could be playing in the kind of second tier of um, under-21s football. And I think a, a lot of that is uh, lots of away trips to the far-flung uh, far corners of the north of England, um, which you know wouldn't have been... Wouldn't have been great for a lot of the players, and um, you know probably would have you know might have had an impact on on your know, retention and holding on to players, what have you. So yeah, we're we're playing great. We're playing really exciting, attacking football, and all of this could have been very very different if um, some some bright spark hadn't decided to change the league format uh, a few weeks before the season started. Yeah, and I mean, look, as we'll come up in this conversation, um, you know. So much of youth football can rely on moments. Some, you know, so many careers are decided by luck. <laughs> that in in that context, but yeah, it's interesting. It's 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 an interesting detail and one that I hadn't actually considered. Um, but yeah, but but here we are. Uh, it was a pretty impressive win. I mean, six <laughs> nil tells us something is going right. But why don't you drill into what exactly is going right uh, from your perspective with regards to the performance yesterday? And, and we can both get in on, you know, uh, the overview, which is obviously it was a, a Rolls Royce level of, of, of uh, 
of display, you know, lots of control, but but drill into the details. Yeah, I mean, sure. Why don't I run through the lineup first of all? Because you know we yeah. do this with um, yeah, yeah, you know, with our, our Premier League sides, but some of these names might be less familiar. So in goal we've got uh, Aaron Maguire, and we've got Terrell Ashcroft, George Abbott, Dante Casanova, and Max Robson in defence. Um, a really attacking side. So our midfield was Dane Scarlett and Jamie Donnelly, either side of Niall John. Um, and then the front three was Jude Soonsup Bell, Will Lankshire, and Iago Santiago. Mm. You know, the team is really, really attacking. I mean, you know, up until, you know, a couple of seasons ago, Jamie Donnelly was playing as a striker. Um, he's dropped back, you know, playing deeper as, um, as his career's progressed. But, um, you know, is now playing as a, I suppose you'd say Madison. Esque type um, position for for the under twenty ones and yeah so a really attacking lineup really attacking attractive side they're playing you know very very similar uh, way to Angie's side so you are seeing yeah. that you know the the fullbacks tuck in normally one rather than two but you got the fullbacks tucking in um, you, we, you know we take that kind of you know, five five players in the front line really attacking. Um, game and yeah, you know, the other thing we've got to bear in mind with this is the under twenty one, uh, sorry, under eighteens were playing at the same time. They're playing Man City, which we'll go on and talk to a little bit in the, in a few minutes. So there's a few players in the under eighteens who are quite you know regulars in the under twenty one squad, and they couldn't be involved today. So you know, you got slightly, or sorry, yesterday you got a slightly reduced squad because of that. And and really, you know, it was a walk in the park, wasn't it? it was, you know, two goals within the first half an hour, four goals up at half time, and really after that, it's a question of just keeping your concentration and and c- carrying on playing. Definitely a fluidity of performance, and yes, I mean, it's really interesting to see that the architecture of our football uh, is, is completely congruent. I mean, as you said, you can see that the similarities are, are I wouldn't say they're replicated, but you know, there's a, there's a philosophy. I know you hate that phrase. That's why I had to use it. <laughs> but there is there is a style and there's an identity and the club is committed to it. And uh, it, it, it's very clear. And that's got to make it easier for these kids, isn't it? You've got a number of players here who've been training with the first team. And if, you know, if they're playing a similar way in the under-21s as they are in the first team, then that gap is a little bit smaller uh, because they'll be used to what they're being asked to do. They'll be used to those roles. So, you know, I think that's that's really really encouraging um i mean we what we should say is that say jamie donnelly who's you know really was the star of the show i think got you know got four assists he got a ha- had a hand in four of those six goals um and will langshire was i think that's a i think that's the most assists that any player's got in a game at the new stadium and then will langshire scored a, a the fastest hat trick in the new stadium as well so you know records were being broken there as well which must be must be great for them as well you know they're playing in the in the ground and then that is a whole other factor isn't it really as well is that you know they're getting the chance to play at this stadium which is again it's 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 an it's inclusive it's wholly inclusive and it it really does make you feel uh, ever more part of it it's reducing the size of the club in the right way Mm -hmm. for the for these kids and and making them feel part of it yeah you're absolutely right i mean i heard the commentator call out that statistic uh and you're thinking that it's got to be such a buzz I mean, you're talking about all the players that we've had play at that stadium, and there you are. You're the guy. <laughs> you're the one who's doing it. Um, one question I did want to ask you, and uh, well, that's maybe a point that we can discuss. Hmm. It's important that we evaluate these situations in balance, right? I mean, we have to recognise that there are standards at this level that you know we're clearly superior to a lot of what's going on around us. So when we evaluate a player, 
at this level, we have to remember who they're up against. I mean, do you think that's a fair that's a fair comment? Don't you think? Um, I mean, I, yeah. I mean, maybe in two parts. I mean, yeah, Fleet. We were leagues above Fleetwood, um, and you know, as I said, the end of the game was over at halftime, effectively. Um, I think generally when we're assessing players, you know, under twenty ones football on the whole isn't great quality, and you know, even you know the lower leagues are you know, streets ahead of it in terms of you know competitiveness. So. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a it's a really really big jump from PL two to our first team. Yeah, yeah, and I I think it's again speaking as the layperson. Yeah, we get very excited about youth players, yeah. and sometimes it's very easy to say, you know, why well, scored a hat trick in Will Langshire's case, and say, you know, well, you get him on the bench, like get him get him in instead of Richarlison. If Richarlison's not scored a goal by half time, put him on yeah. the pitch. And I mean, it, it you know, it just is not that simple and there's many reasons for that and we'll discuss those as we go in but I do think it serves reminding people of that <laughs> yeah I mean you remember the clamour a few years ago when Mourinho's manager and everyone was calling for Parrot to be starting and um, you know I mean even last season last season Romain Mundell you know everyone was a lot of people calling for him to be playing um, you know and Mundell it left us in the summer but you know turned down a new contract went to Standard Liège and um, and then joined Sunderland in you know last month in the transfer window so you know that was a player uh, who everyone was calling for us or a lot of people were calling for us to play last year um so yeah, yeah i think maybe that's a kind of barometer of you know that that gap and and maybe expectations i think you know everyone like loves a young player everyone gets very excited about uh, about um you know prospects or you know what could be but yeah scoring a lot of goals in the in the under 21s or you know looking good in the under 21s isn't necessarily a, a measure of that they can come through yeah, and we'll get into the luck factor for any young player uh, pursuing a senior career. We will touch on that a little later. But you know, let's let's go through. I mean, we've we've touched on Jamie Donnelly as a as being you know probably the showrunner. Mm-hmm. Um, why don't we talk a little bit about Will Lankshire and 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 th- you know throw a couple of other players into the mix that really impressed you? I mean, let's start with Lankshire. I mean, it was he looks like such a classic centre forward to me. He's got as he the, the really good touch. I mean, I'm, I'm going to use a horrible cliche phrase here. <laughs> Give him my. He's got great touch for a big man, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's funny, isn't it? Because I mean, when Donnelly was coming through, everyone said they used to liken him to Kane when he was playing up front, and certainly you can see that in his range of passing. I think Lancashire, in terms of his control and his composure in front of the goal, is is like the other part of Kane's game almost. Yeah. And you know, the pick of the goals for me for Lancashire was his second one, where you've got a deep um, high ball play, you know, pass played through from Donnelly from uh, from our right midfield, and he he brings it down with one touch, just guides it down to the ground, and then yeah. uh, and then plays it across the keeper into the other corner. And it was, a, it was a wonderful goal. It doesn't matter who you're playing against. That's a, that's really, really good technique. I think one thing we should actually bear in mind when we're talking about, uh, Fleetwood, um, in defense, they had a 39 year old, uh, Nathan Pond, who's also a, a coach there. So they're playing against someone who's, you know, quite experienced. Um, he's in the Guinness Book of Records. So he's, 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 uh, played in seven divisions for Fleetwood through the course of six promotions. And yeah, he's in the Guinness Book of Records for the world record for appearing in the most different divisions with a single football club. Wow, yeah, <laughs> that, that that is that's quite something. Um, I have to say, yeah, I I loved his his little chip finish as well was was beautiful. I yeah. mean, he's just he he sort of and I don't know. Again, let's compare your deeper knowledge of the player to my superficial uh, highlight appearances. I look at him and he looks to me like 
and maybe a slightly more skillful Ewan Ferguson uh, down at Brighton. He's, he carries that sort of presence to me as a forward. He looks to me like he could develop um, uh, as a more skillful version of, of that player. Is, is, do you think that's accurate? I'm not sure I'd say more skillful. That seems a bit harsh on Ferguson, who's, you know, is a fantastic player. Um, he looks really good and he looks like physically, he's a big lad. You know, physically, he looks ready or it looks like he might be able to cope with men's football, whether that's with our first team or, or, or out on loan, I don't know. Um, he, yeah, we we turned down loan moves for him in January, I think, both from English clubs and on the continent. Um, he certainly looks like, yeah, it certainly looks like he could play, be playing first team football at, at some level. I, he has been training with the first team. I think there's plans to get him to do that more. Um, you know, it, it's, I suppose it comes down to you know, how he does in those training sessions, whether he gets a chance. It's with us only playing in the Premier League now till the end of the season, I think it's hard to, hard to see him getting you know a chance with us. But you know maybe he get you know this season. But I'd I'd expect him to go on the tour in the summer, in pre season tour in the summer, and you know that's his chance to show you know whether he can whether he can do anything and yeah whether he's involved in the first team next season or not. But yeah, he looks great. Yeah, and I think it, again, it's it's interesting that you bring that up because we are going to come to you know some of the factors that may you know be involved in deciding these you know decisions, which can be quite marginal. I mean, because again, he's a player with tremendous raw talent. You can see it. Yeah, a huge yeah. amount of raw talent. Um, and you know, we just don't know what other factors there are that might dictate. And as you said, a summer tour is probably a great way of finding out. Yeah, um, I mean, he's got what, eleven goals in eleven games for the. In Premier League two this um, this season, um, you know we signed him from Sheffield United uh, in the summer of 2022, and before he was at Sheffield United, he was on on Arsenal's books. Although I think he's, I think he's a Spurs fan. He's from Welling Garden City. I think we might have somewhat been halfway down this path before in our his recent history, haven't we? Mm, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hey, if he has half the career of that fella, it'll be all right. <laughs> Maybe with a little more silver in it, wearing it. But I wanted to ask you about um, a player that's getting a lot of attention uh, in the fan base, um, Santiago. Uh, it was interesting mm-hmm. to know what you thought of his performance. Um, he definitely, I mean, he's probably, and I was discussing this with Johnny as well, uh, my my friend Johnny, who I often name check here. <laughs> but we were having a chat uh, about this uh, player. And, uh, you know, he's got a bit of the Solomons about him. I think we both agreed. But, you know, what do you think in terms of where he can go with us? Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure I see the parallels with, with Solomon. But, um, I mean, again, he's having a great season. Um and I think his goal was probably the pick of the bunch um, in the game against Fleetwood. He um, another pass from Donnelly, which just split the split the defence. Um, you know, reverse pass. pass from Donnelly just completely took them apart. Uh, Santiago picks it up. He shuffles, puts the keeper on his ass, um, goes round the keeper, and then the defender dives in on him, ends up in his ass, and then Santiago just rolls the ball into an empty net. Um, so beautiful composure and. Um, I mean, this is, he's got seven goals and four assists in 10 Premier League, two appearances. Um, and he joined us from Celta Vigo in 2019. Um, and again, you know, he's during our injury crisis earlier in the season, he made our first team bench four times. Um, I'm, he's having a really, really good season. I'm not convinced that he's going to come through for the first team. Um, and, you know, maybe it's just that golf. Um, but, I mean that might be a bit harsh. He, he's having a really good season. He really has. He really has stepped up. Um, and I know that there's quite a lot of people who you know watch the under twenty ones, 
yeah, really closely thought that he ought to be getting more chances and maybe ought to be getting minutes when we were having that those injury problems. I think I want to dwell on this point for a second, well, maybe longer than that, because I do think it's fascinating. <laughs> I think it's fascinating, though, because we're both in that sort of what I would call that twilight zone where, you know, we're sort of, we're making, as fans do, supporters, we're making a judgment call of opinion, as so many of these uh, these calls are. What is it? Because I, di- I agree with you, by the way. I think, I mean, he looks great. It was a lovely goal, but there's something that in the back of my mind says, ah, I just can't see him in our starting 11 as a regular player in, say, 2025, 26, let alone next season. Why do you think that is? What is it that gives us that impression? What are we picking up on? I mean, I'm asking you to speculate a little bit here because as yeah. Simon Davies will explain later, <laughs> there's a lot of science behind it as I mean, well. I, I, but I am fascinated because we've both arrived at the same place and you watch this week in, week out. I mean, part of it's just down to, to numbers. You know, you've re- realistically, you're going to get, you know, one, two, I mean, three would be exceptional players come through from each, you know, age group. It, you know, it's quite rare. You know, if you think back through... Um, you know, our recent history, even when, you know, we've had some really good um, year groups and really, you know, we've only really ever managed to bring one or, you know, one or two maybe each time through. And if you look at this group, I mean, Santiago's having a good season, but he doesn't look to me as kind of one of the exceptional players in this in this side. Um, and I'm not sure if you look at his game, I think he's a really good all-rounder. He's good at, he can, you know, he can, get, he can beat a man, he can get around them. But I don't think there's anything there that I would say was was exceptional. Is it? Do you think some of it as well is also physical? I mean, do you think there is a site like if he was a couple of inches taller and maybe five kilograms of muscle heavier, we'd be more inclined to say, "Ha, huh, maybe he's got the physicality that can carry him, uh, carry a skill set through through the Premier League." I mean, is there a, is there a subconscious bias against slight players in in modern football? I don't think necessarily as a as a winger. Um, I think as a winger, you can probably get away with being, you know, small. I mean, we've got quite a few on our books who are who are small. You know, you mentioned Solomon. Solomon's not a big guy, is he? And um, you know, Brian Hill um, isn't a big guy. You know, if, if Santiago was involved in the first team, you know, more more regularly, those are the people he'd be competing against. Um, and you know, physically, he doesn't look that far off that to me. It's just that to me. He, I don't, he, you know, he's not lightning quick. You know, he's reasonably fast. He's not lightning quick. He's not, you know, he hasn't got really, really intricate um, uh, feet. I, I just, I, Interesting. I'm not, sh- I'm not sure what his USP is. And I mean, this is a bit harsh. I don't really want to, I don't really want to be laying into players because he's, he's having a great season. Um, no, no, I don't think it's, it's like, I don't, I, I don't think you sound like you are. And I don't think we sound like we are either. I think it's a really, you know, it's a clinical evaluation. I mean, ironically, I think the players that you've compared him to, which sound wholly right to me, those are players that I think ultimately we had high hopes for that really mm-hmm. aren't going to pan out, especially Brian Hill. So maybe that in and of itself draws somewhat of a, conclu- a reason behind our conclusion. Who knows? But let me, let me ask you if there are, if there's, if there's another player or two that you want to discuss from the from the game that you want to spotlight for our listeners? Um, yeah, I mean maybe. I mean, I, there's a few I like. I mean, say uh, George Abbott, I think is a decent player, the centre back. Um, I mean, Niall John, yeah, I, I feel for him a bit because again, he's another one of those players that Mourinho took a shine to, and he got kind of a minute here or there in the you know, in added time, so that Mourinho could claim credit for their success, their career later on, and. 
which by the way in case anyone listening to this thinks that's a cheap dig it isn't you said it at the time and we all agreed that it was definitely that so this is a, I mean a consistent opinion I mean it was a cheap dig as well but I mean <laughs> but, but it was a consistent opinion like I say yeah, it's like yeah, no, it's, it's nothing true, that yeah. we've made up on the spot so um, so and I feel for him. He went out to Charlton on loan a couple of seasons ago and had a really bad time there. So I think there was quite high hopes for that loan move and it didn't come off. And yeah, he's getting on a bit now. And I think, you know, his career probably hasn't progressed as, as well as you'd hope. He's 20 years old. And yeah, I, I, I feel for him because, um, I was hoping that he would have got another loan by now i think he's you know clearly good enough to be um a football league player certainly um you know whether that's with us, you know whether his career kind of continues with us or not i don't know but you know after being you know involved in the first team you know playing quite well you know when he when he was given chances talked up by the manager and then to fall back must be quite difficult for him i think yeah. and um you know i think probably the other thing to bear in mind is that for the under 21s this season he's played in quite a few different positions you know playing central midfield you know yesterday he was a defensive midfielder he's also played on, on right right midfield or um you know the right of a front three so um he's being asked to do quite a lot of different stuff and um, i thought he had a decent game and say he got a goal um uh a scarlet free kick came back off the wall and uh and he uh, you know, put it put it away for, you know, from just outside the area so yeah yeah it's it's interesting again it's that it, it, there's so many factors um timing um uh, luck so many situations so many factors and i think you're absolutely right when you've had that taste um and you've been given that that um i don't know bravado is the wrong word but confidence maybe of you know the manager believing in you quote unquote and then it sort of hits a hits a wall in terms of the progress that you would perhaps expect to be making as a player and feel you should be making and so on it's very very hard isn't it and that's something I, i'll just dive in quickly on something simon davies did say in this interview which well. we will discuss in more detail <laughs> yeah i mean we'll, we will get there for sure but i mean he did talk about that didn't he? he talks about those factors but he also the one thing he said which stuck in my mind when i was watching you know the the, the fleetwoods uh, action was you know you're looking at these players to be champions league quality that's the requirement that's a high standard and as good a game as he had you can't you can't see him breaking through to the first team you you really you really can't that's if we use that as the measure um yeah i mean i think the, i think the other bearing in mind yeah that talk of you know him being involved in the first team when Mourinho was manager and what have you i think the other thing that simon davis said that i'd say ring trees with rings true with him was that you know it's hard getting that chance but it's harder still holding on to that and keeping yes. that place once you've got absolutely. it absolutely and wasn't that wasn't that a resonant phrase and michael dawson who's yeah. one of the co-interviewees uh, along with miles it was um was 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 all over that i mean he was in, <laughs> i mean he was all yeah. pumping his fist in the air in agreement yeah yeah though no, it's such a such a big point i did want to ask you about one player that bridges um the the younger generations and that's kyra maiden who i i have watched on several occasions and who mm -hmm. just really excites me yep. he's such an exciting player he's you know he, he's always there or thereabouts when there's positive action to be had um you know my overview of look I don't think he's going to be breaking into our first team immediately, obviously, but he feels to me like a player who's got a future with this football club. Yeah, I mean, he's only come up from the under-18s last year. He came on on the 64th minute for Dane Scarlett. 
Um, yeah, I like him as well. I think he's a, he's a really good player and um, yeah, a good all-round midfielder. And I agree. I think you know he, he probably needs another year um, at this level and then see whether there's a loan for him. Um, we yep. should probably just run through yep. the other subs quickly. So Maxwell Knight came on for sure. Terrell Ashcroft. Uh, Jaden Williams came on for Sinsup Bell. Josiah Linton came on for Max Robson. And William uh, Andy Yapan came on for George Abbott. So uh, we used all five of our subs. So the whole, all of the bench got on. What, what do you what do you think of Sinsup Bell? I've, I've I've got to ask. I mean, you know, he he's, he's he feels a bit enigmatic to me, but it also could be unfair. He came in with quite a fanfare. And he came in with quite a reputation, especially given that we, we uh, you know, we got him from Chelsea where he was quite highly rated. So, but, you know, what do you think of him as a player? I, I, I've got to say, I think there are several others around him who are, you know, catching my eye a little more. I yeah, mean, um, yeah, I mean, uh, again, he's having a good season. You know, he's yeah. eight goals and four assists in 12 Premier League two games. Um, and as you said, you know, he came in on an undisclosed fee from Chelsea a year ago, January 23, uh, 20 years old. Um I think the rumours at the time were that we were looking to have him around the under-21s for second half of the season and then going to loan him out this year. Um, he can play anywhere across the front three, so it's, it's useful. I think he needs loan, and I think you'd have to see you know, how he develops on uh, on loan. Um, I thought he had a pretty good game yesterday, but yeah, I don't see him being part of our first-team squad next season. Let's touch on the, uh, the under-18s who... Uh played Manchester City in the quarterfinal of the FA Youth Cup. Um, I have uh, really very little to contribute to this segment of the pod, <laughs> Milo, because I didn't I didn't get to watch it, I'm afraid. So uh, please guide us through what happened and, and guide us through a couple of the, the things that we need to know about the U18s. I should probably talk about how I watched these two games because um, they were kind of overlapping. The under-18s kicked off first. So I watched the first half of the under-18s. And then at half time switched over to watch the under 21s and watch that through. And then I'm trying to think how time wise, yeah, we were kind of when we were comfortably up, uh, the under 18s scored, uh, with about 10 minutes to, to go. I thought, well, I'll, I'll switch back to that because the under 21 game is finished. Watched the last kind of 10 minutes of the under 18s. And then, uh, last night, um, and this morning I've kind of caught up on the bits that I hadn't, hadn't seen. So I've, um, it's gracious. So I mean, I've got I, to say, I, I, I kind of watched them in extraordinary. half and yeah. So I, I watched first half of both games and then kind of caught up on the second halves and the bits I missed in between. Uh, today. Sure, so, so do you tell Mrs. Milo you're babysitting? Uh, uh, is that what you tell her when you get all this extra time to watch the kids playing? It's brilliant. <laughs> incredible um, amount of time but so but yes it it underscores why uh you're the perfect person to talk about this so the under 18s game um it was a tough game um i think we rode our luck a little with city they had lots and lots of chances particularly in the first half um where yeah they they were putting the ball across the box and then there was no one there to to, to score or or they were putting it just wide um and yeah i think I think they could have been quite comfortably up at half time. Tyrese uh, Hall scored with a really good goal on 61 minutes. Um, typical of him. He's, he's just a fantastic ball carrier, really, really exciting player. Um, and just, you know, really good composed shot. Um, and then City scored on the 83rd minute. So, uh, Blowdorn, who the goalkeeper palmed the ball away. Um, and they, they managed to put it away at the far post. 
Um, and then on the 89th minute, they got a, a really fortunate free kick. Leo Black, who again, is a player that I really rate very highly and is having an excellent season. Um, track, he lost the ball, tracked back, took the ball, got the ball. I think it was a, a fair challenge. Didn't really see any contact with the player, but the ref blew up and it was just, um, just outside the D. So it was sort of a perfect position. And they took a really good, you know, it's it a well taken free kick. Um, but 89th minute didn't really give us a chance to get back into it. And it, it was, um, it was such a shame. Um, should I just run through the lineup as well as we did, did before, sure. just so we, we yeah. know who we're talking yeah. about? So, um, Kerry Blow, Dawn in goal, Leo Black, Archie Chaplin, Mason King, and Yusuf, um, Akam, uh, Akam Rich, uh, in defense, Callum, uh, Olu Sesi, Therese Hall, and How Will, uh, Will Hoft King, uh, in midfield. And Damola, um, Ajayo, uh, Ellis Meehan, uh, and Oliver Iro up top. Yeah. I think we should also note that Manchester City themselves, you know, uh, obviously a, a, a club and an organization who have committed heavily to their yeah. academy structure over, over, over several years, um, you know, and, and in many ways have been, you know, pr- well, they've produced a number of super high quality players. Uh, yeah. And no, say a, a bit like Chelsea, they've got a production line of young players that quite a lot of them they sell in order to help them get around financial fair play because home home developed players, you bank all of the money from that. So, um, yeah. you know, that's part of the thinking there. And I thought it was, you know, it's interesting, you know, they've got a separate stadium next to the central city of Manchester stadium where the, uh, where they're under 21s and the youth teams play, you know, a nice smaller yeah. ground. And you couldn't help think that, you know, we could do with something, something similar. It probably doesn't make financial sense to us because, you know, we're not bankrolled by a country, but, um, it would be quite nice if we had a, you know, kind of five, 10,000 capacity stadium, something like that, you know, relatively close to, to the main ground where you could put on kind of the, you know, the, those games that get us, you know, it's not, um, you know, not financially viable to open the stadium and, you know, the training ground is in, is not the easiest to get to, certainly not by public transport and you know, not easy for people to get, go and see those, the, those games if, um, so yeah, a bit jealous of that. Mm. Well, there's plenty to look at uh, those structures and say that you know, as you said, bankrolled by a nation. But that's for another another time, another discussion. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a disappointing result, a disappointing, um, you know, how it happened. How, you know, having been one nil up, you know, so close to the end. Um, right. But this under 18s group is a really exciting group of players. I know everyone's going to focus on the 21s because of their league position and how you know. Uh, how well they're doing, but there's there's a number of players here who are who are really really good. I mean, Tyrese Hall and Leo Black um, are the standouts for me. Both look perfect for for Ange Ball. Uh, Leo Black is uh, you know really good um, right back. He you know tucks in and um, can, can invert. Um, and I'd, I'd hope that both of them probably. I'd hope that both of them get fast track through the system. And um, Tyrese Hall's played for the under twenty ones a few times this season, but I hope we see a bit more of that. Yeah. So let's now get to the changes in our academy system uh, in recent years. Uh, we, we've seen, you know, a fair few changes. Um, you know, we've seen Dean Rastrick uh, left, our, you know, he left last summer after 13 years at the club. Uh, Simon Davies stepped up to replace him as the head of our academy. Um, I think one of the things that we went over as uh, we were discussing this pod that really intrigued me, the more I've thought about it, <laughs> Because it wasn't something I thought about initially, you know, because Simon Davies is, a, you know, he's such a hub, such a point of discussion. 
But you noted that there's been a change in strategy since Fabio Paratici joined the club, uh, and specifically with regards to an increase in salaries paid to academy players and an increased willingness to, um, uh, I prefer the word liberate academy players from other clubs. <laughs> Let's use that. I think that's a nicer turn of phrase. Uh, I'd use the word poach if it wasn't us. Um, but let's touch on that. Um, yeah. You know, Paratici, as this pod seems to increasingly come to the conclusion of he has really um, had quite a profound effect on what's happening at all levels. <laughs> Weekly, we seem to come up with reasons to forgive him for his cheap seats in his, uh, his uh, weird manner, a weird cheap. social manner. No, it, that's a good point. <laughs> they just look like he slept in them. Um, yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> Uh, exactly um, yeah. but let's talk about that impact a really important thing because there's a school of thought that says if you increase the salaries paid to an academy player you're fluffing their pillows before they've learned to make their own bed um and there's but increasingly we are living in a in a, in a world and a society which where financial reward is coming sooner to to younger generations you know in in greater volume so i i let's talk it through yeah i mean <sighs> We, we were play, paying a lot less than than other clubs, and you know we lost Jaden McHomer um, and Samuel Amo Amayor to Southampton in the summer of um, twenty twenty two because Southampton would pay them more than we would, and I think also they could see a, a route through. So I think there was a number of issues that we had with our academy. I think you know one we weren't paying the the going rate, the market rate. That, that's hard. To, it makes it hard to attract and hold on to good players. Um, I think, you know, it, through, I mean, I think the problem started with Pochettino after kind of, he was very good with, you know, his first, when he first came in, but as, as we got better, the route into the first team for academy players was harder. And maybe that comes back to that Simon Davis point about you got to be Champions League quality, but I don't think we were helping players reach that level. And I think, you know, if players can't see a route into the first team, um, that's, that, you know, that's difficult. And realistically speaking, what skip the last academy player to establish themselves? I'd say that's a fair call. Yeah. So we're sure. going back a while, aren't we? Yeah. I mean, before As, him, obviously we had, we had, you know, we had Mason, and, I think Benton, yeah. but, you know, Winks, Winks as well. Kane. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, yes, quite. But, you know, and that's what, you know, when we're talking, when I was talking earlier on about kind of an exceptional generation, you know, you've got, what, two, three there from that, that intake. And Bentaleb wasn't around for long because Poch didn't fancy him. Um, but, yeah, that's exceptional. And you've got three players there. So when we're, we're, we're talking about, you know, what's likely to happen with the players we've got now, and we've got, we've got a couple of very, very good, you know, two, three very good years coming through. Um, if we see two come through and establish themselves, we've done very well. Um, yeah, as you said, you know, we've increased signings from other clubs. So, yeah, Jude Sunsup Jude Sunsup Bell came in from Chelsea. Will Lankshire came in from Sheffield United. Tyrell Ashcroft came in from Reading. Josh Keeley came in from St. Patrick's Athletic. That's right, in the summer of 2022. I mentioned this the other week. He was coached by Pat Jennings' son at, uh, mm. at Pat St. Patrick's. Yeah. So, yeah, we've, yeah. we've got, um, we've got more players coming in. Um, and then I think also in terms of the structure, so um Paratici brought in Simon Davis. I think originally he was um performance manager, so his initial job was to bridge that gap between the academy and the first team. And he joined along with um he joined along with Andy Scalding um and Greta Steinson. 
um, sorry, uh, Simon Davis was uh, sorry uh, head of coaching methodology. So Andy Scalding was performance manager, and yeah, he, he his job was to bridge the gap. So I think a minus for Paratici's. I think that structure looked a little bit um, congested because we still had uh, Dean Rastrick around as well, and um, you know I think Davis and Rastrick were probably treading on each other's toes a bit. But um, since the summer when Scott Munn came in, uh, right. he's, he's cleaned that out a bit. I mean Steinson's left. Uh, he feels left. like a very important part of this particular story as well in terms of, as you say, just clarifying the situation and, and really sort of pot boiling down exactly who's doing what, what's necessary and, and, and who isn't. Yeah, yeah. And I think, I mean, I'm sure we've all probably worked in a structure where um, lines of responsibility aren't quite clear and it's not it's not a good way to work. So I think, yeah. you know, kind of clearing that up and making that um yeah, very obvious who's responsible for what makes sense. And Simon Davis is such a such an interesting guy in terms of his background. I mean, you know, maybe this is a good point to go on and talk about him in that interview he did with uh, with On the Shelf yeah. because um, you know he, he, he you know he's part of the class of '92 at, at Manchester United. In fact, I think he was the captain, wasn't he, of that FA Cup winning side? And um, you know, went on to make a number of appearances, but not really establish himself as a player there. I think what I loved about and, and and look, we both encourage everyone who's listening to to our pod to now. You know, once we're finished talking, um, you should go and listen to the off the shelf podcast interview with Simon Davis because it is fascinating. And I think what I love the most about it, and it really made me feel good about his placement at our club, is I'm going to drop my favourite word of the year and possibly last year again. He has such a holistic view of what it takes to to you know to run. An academy, and you talk about him being a member of the class of '92. I mean, he's right there seeing the players from that class that didn't make it at Man United, and he talks about that. He talks about Keith Gillespie being the most skillful player in that clutch of in that clutch, Mm. and he ended up at Newcastle. He's also, and I love this, he's very critical of himself. He's very observant of his own. Um, failings or I don't, he never refers to it as failings but his failures capitalised maybe on Un- his unfulfilled potential I think there we go yes that's the safest way but I think all of those are such important things and of course he's you know Sir Alex Ferguson and we've said on this pod before that we feel this football club is at the beginning of a journey with a man managing you know Tottenham Hotspur who has a lot of similar qualities in terms of how he operates the football club Davis makes that point, doesn't he, in terms of kind of the yeah. impact that um, Anne just had across the club, um, likens it yeah. to to what Ferguson did at, at United. And I mean, I think yeah. with Davis, you know, being, well, I mean, part of probably one of the, well, one of the, if not the kind of most celebrated batch of academy players ever. Without a doubt. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, or certainly in the modern game in this country. Um, and not quite making it, I think probably makes makes for him better for this job because he Absolutely. can understand he can understand or can talk to the players about you know what happens if you don't fulfill your potential if you don't apply yourself as hard as you can or if you you know you don't make the most of what you've you know the talent you've been given yeah i think that's probably a more relevant experience than someone who's had it easy all the way through i say maybe not dissimilar to Ange actually who's had to take the difficult path sure that that makes a lot yeah that's a good comparison and the, i think we both love that point of the interview we well, didn't love it because it's quite <laughs> melancholic in many ways. But when he was asked, you know, about, you know, there's only X amount of players that ever actually go on to have a, a full, fully developed professional career at the highest level. How do you feel letting them go? And, and he made this point in the interview, didn't he, where he said it's much harder 
to tell a player who has given everything that they don't quite have it. And what I felt confident in, and it's something that we talk a lot about on this pod as being uh, maybe a lost area of football, you've got to look after these kids. You've got to you've got to find a way to help them deal with that, and you've got to find a way to help them, you know, process the disappointment and and maybe go on to have a life. And I felt, although there was no sp- specific moment where he stated it, but I felt that Simon Davis and the club in general operate in a very human way. It feels like they really believe first and foremost. So he did say that the you know the first uh, most important things are that players come in and enjoy themselves and feel safe. Yeah. And I think he also talks about trying to you know, develop them as people, but also develop, you know, make sure they can yeah. have a career as a professional footballer. Yes. And whether that's with us or not is almost secondary. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. when we talk about these players, you know, when we talk about Niall John earlier on, I, I, I'm sure that he's you know, easily good enough to be you know, playing at a decent level. It might not be with us, but he can have a professional career. And if the academy can do that, if the academy can produce players that um, – you know, we can sell or, you know, they, they leave and they, they have a you know a good career, then that, that's a job well done. Yeah. And I think your point about, um, you know, Andrew's journey in this game uh, and Simon Davis's journey in this game is, is really relevant because it knits together one of the, the most pleasing aspects of everything that's happening um, at the club right now, which is we have, we have tremendous congruence throughout throughout the, the the departments if you want or the layers whatever phrase you want to use there's a congruence within the club which i don't think we've seen um for quite some time i mean it's been a long time yeah i mean uh, yeah absolutely i think um yeah just so briefly back to simon davis you know we talked about it, you know playing under ferguson but you know he was a coach a youth coach at man city so he's he's coached um you know, one of the best academies in the country. And, he, you know, he's talking there about kind of talking to Guardiola about what Guardiola needed from players. Um, you know, he followed Vincent Company and worked with him as an assistant. Um, and I think Company wanted to take him with him to Burnley. And he turned down the chance to follow Company to Burnley to join us and join our, our academy setup. Um, so he's had a, you know, he, he talks about, you know, coaching with Patrick Vieira, doesn't he? It's, um, he does. I think he was yes. Vieira's a, a, um, assistant with the, with the city youth set up before, uh, Vieira went off to, um, their New York club. So yeah, yeah it's, uh, you know, I mean, the chance of someone who's worked closely with both Ferguson and Guardiola is, you know, probably well, too. It's as- it's as rare as producing a Harry Kane, uh, I would I would suggest, uh, in fairness. Yeah. And we're probably very lucky uh, to have found this. And I will say, I do think, you know, the much maligned Daniel Levy, I mean, you have to give him some credit here for supporting this setup, for supporting this system, for seeking this kind of consistency and infrastructure, and for recognising that the previous three or four years, he got it wrong, and that this really is... that. The way you do need, you know, if you want to build a football club in a progressive fashion, this is really what you should be looking to do. Yeah, I mean, I think this, I think the credit goes to Paratici because Paratici was running the football side of things. I mean, Levy has stepped back from the football side over the last, you know, over the last, um, you know, three, three or so years. And, you know, Paratici, you know, it's one of the things we were told when he came in, he likes a big, you know, large staff working to him and he can focus on the things he's good at. He has other people doing, you know, the other stuff and, and that's yeah. what he brought to I, us. And now we're in that stage of kind of refining that and, you know, maybe just professionalizing it a little bit. Um, right. I mean, maybe just, the credit to Levy is for him keeping out of it and leaving them to it, well, which he hasn't always no, been able to do. That, that's, 
But that's exactly what I'm saying. I mean, I wasn't referring to him in any way contributing in the football sense, not at all. I was contributing in the fact that he manages and has managed quite successfully, I would say, to stay out of the way of his own hires and let them get on with it, mm. which you can't necessarily always say has been the case. Um, but anyway, I think it's worth offering. Yes, it is, it's all about him staying out of the way of this system. And it feels to me that he's been making the right decisions. I mean, let's face it. I don't think many of us, I mean, you you might have, I, I didn't really know much about Scott Munn when he came in. But uh, mm. again, another great appointment, uh, for, uh, it seems, thus far. So, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's going very well. And again, this Simon Davies interview is, is really worth uh, listening to. I think it's probably the third time I've said it. Uh, but, you know, they're, well, because I, you know, this, and you called it when we were planning this show and you said, look, you know, make sure you, make sure you listen to this because you're going to love it. Because I, I love, I love hearing that I like hearing the humans here, you know, that the, the, the architecture of our club, it's good. It's great. But seeing the humanity there as well makes me feel even better about it. And knowing that these players are being supported all the way through um, is really important. And to that point, you know, we're about to look at some of the players that are standing out, uh, or who we think are standing out mm. in the youth setup. And we're about to maybe play that, you know, what I politely call the chances game of, you know, who could make it, who couldn't. And it's it's a fun discussion, you know. But as Simon Davis says in this pod, there are so many factors that contribute to uh, to a player not making it and most of the time well what i extrapolated from what he said was that most of the time it is not necessarily about talent there are mm-hmm. many other factors that are invisible to our eyes that we don't know i mean this goes for generally when you evaluate any player's performance i suppose there's factors that we don't know but especially with youth players and i think he makes that point very cleanly and very clearly it's a really important one to remember when you know we start clamoring for Will Lankshire to start at number nine next week, you know what I mean? Yep. <laughs> anyway, should we get to that stage where we are? Should we look at a few of these players? Should you want to do that? Quick rattle through them. Yeah, go on then. Um, okay, Dane Scarlett. Okay, so he's. I think Dane's one we all know is he's 19 years old. He was on loan at Ipswich earlier this season, which we cut short in January. Um, he made. 12 appearances for them in the championship, no goals. Most of those were as a late sub, which is why we recalled him. Um, last season, he was out on loan at Portsmouth, where he made 34 appearances in League One with four goals and two assists. Um, I mean, whilst at Portsmouth, John Mussinio, the manager there, said that he thought he ought to switch to being a left winger um, and mainly played him out wide. Um, I, I mean, the thing that kind of struck me, certainly in the summer when he was featuring in pre-season, was how much he bulked up. Um yeah. And, you know, I mean, maybe that, that, that's what happens to, to you in your late teens, isn't it? Uh, you, you fill out with age. Um, I'm, I mean, Anne seems to like him. I'm not quite sure what his strengths are. I think he's all right, but he's a, he's a good all rounder. But again, I'm not sure that there's anything exceptional there. I think I'm pretty sure that he'll go out on loan again next season. Um, and, you know, maybe he's a late developer, but he's not one that I could see being involved too much in the near future. I, I tend to agree. It feels to me that he might be one of those fine examples of a player whose progress into the first team was maybe a little too quick, um, despite his success at, you know, at, at the youth level and that he maybe could have done with being phased in a little later. Conte, um, lo- and Conte, loved, him. Another, the, Conte loved him, didn't he? He really talked him up. He did, but ultimately, but ultimately it might not have been the right thing. It might Ooh. have been the wrong thing. And you do get the sense with him. And again, Please bear in mind, anyone listening, you know, and feel free to communicate with us your your disagreements or whatever via whatever social media you use. No, we love that. This is what it should be about. But this is all 
quite arbitrary. I mean, you know, Dane Scarlett is obviously a fine footballer to have got to where he is. We're, we're, we're talking, I, I don't know. I don't even know why we feel this. But I, mean, I do feel like you, he's ultimately going to end up playing somewhere else. I, I mean, it was interesting that he played in midfield yesterday. And, you know, maybe a bit like Donnelly, maybe he's a player who, who drops back as he... As he um, gets older and maybe that's where the chances come it, it, i should also say he took his goal really well um it was a really you know really nice goal really good bit, bit of technique there yeah. um and he's only 19 you know he could you know, he could spend the next two or three he could spend the next two or three years out on loan <laughs> and come back a completely different player this is the thing isn't it he is only 19 uh yeah which is yeah on the money um well we've discussed jamie dudley i think uh, to a greater extent, I mean, let, why don't we just cut to the chase here? Uh, you know, what are we going to do with, with with him? What what uh, in, come the summer? Um, I mean, it depends on what our transfer activity happens, you know, does, and um, who leaves, and if he continues to develop at the rate he's developing at the moment, he's had a phenomenal season and really stepped up this year. Um, you know, I think if he's going to be, you know, he can play in that attacking eight stroke 10 position that Madison plays for our first team. He can play, um, you know, across the front line, but you know, if he's going to play in the first team, I would think it's probably most likely is, you know, cover for Madison. Um, so at the moment he's got Madison, Decky and Lacelso ahead of him. I think we could also probably see Lacelso leaving in the summer. Um, you know, whether we replace him or not, probably, um, probably has an impact on whether Donald, you know, how many minutes Donnelly could see next season. And I think also which competition we're in in Europe, if we're in the Champions League, um, or if we're in the if we're in the Europa League, you could see him playing quite a bit. If you're in Champions League, probably less so. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think he, he, he looks physically ready. He's got fantastic technique. He's a really good player. If he carries on developing at the rate he is at the moment, then it's going to be very difficult not to have him in the squad. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, let me, uh, you know, the rise of the armchair expert here, which I'm sure is someone that uh, Ange looks forward to hearing from on a regular basis. Uh, I, I would absolutely take the punt and have him in our first team squad next season, uh, given that I think we all agree, you know, Lacelso will probably end up playing, his, applying his trade abroad. I, I think um, what has pushed, you know, what would push me into that decision versus finding him another loan is, the skill is obvious. I mean, that's obvious. He's got that. He's got the physicality. I, I think I love his uh, his in-game intelligence with regards to the context of the situation he is being deployed in. And to kind of layman that out, I'm going to give you an example against Brentford. Uh, and it was actually something that he gave the ball away. But knowing the context of the game... He knew what he had to do and he did what a good professional would do in that case, which is he went back and he played well, make sure the guy didn't get further, (laughs) took him out. You know, there was another moment, I believe in the same game where he had the courage to use his body strength to hold off the player and win a free kick. And that was quite deep. I think it was quite just outside our own box. So as much as the progressive parts of his game are exceptionally exciting and impressive, I just think he's got that in-game intelligence at a senior level, which I would, I would, I would make him a, a part of our squad, and I'd be using him regularly as I mean, the as the the sub for for you know for the medicines and Kulusevskis for sure. I mean, the, the thing to bear in mind also is because he's um, you know, club trained. In Europe, we don't have to name him as part of the squad. Um, there's a, a B list of players who are um, under under the age of 21 and um, and uh, uh, club trained, and that can be infinite. Right. So um, that's really in his favour, and we're likely to be short on um, on club trained senior players next season. So right. having 
players on that list who are able to you know able to fill in for that i think probably counts in his favor and suggests that we wouldn't look to loan him out because yeah otherwise we could end up a little short well, he, he passes the birds, stones and budgets uh, uh, test, doesn't he, really, on all fronts. So, um, all right, a good a tick there. Um, you know, again, a couple of these players we've talked about in some detail already. So perhaps we cut more to the chase of where they are going to end up uh, next season. Um, Alfie Dorrington is... I stopped you uh, talking about earlier on because he hadn't played. <laughs> correct. He didn't play, but, but, but I have... Um, I've been mightily impressed with him when I have yep. watched him and I've seen him a fair amount in the last season as well. I was watching him and, you know, again, this is a player with a, with, with, with a high ceiling. I do feel, you know, you can see that. However, I, again, this arbitrary feeling, I still feel he needs a loan or two, a loan season or two at a good club to really develop. Right. I would, I mean, that's a player I, for all his talent. I wouldn't be bringing him into our squad next season. So, yeah, he's an excellent technical developer, sorry, technical defender. And what is really, what he really excels at is carrying the ball out of defense. He's, he's a really, really good player at carrying the ball upfield. Um, he's, I think he's, he's too small, frankly, for Premier League football at the moment. He's, he's tall, but he hasn't filled out. And we've got to bear in mind, he's only 18 years old. So, um, I would agree with you, you know. How and he's only this is his first season at under 21s. He came, he was part of that under 18s team, group that won the Premier League Cup last season. Um, and he's only just made the step up. Um, you know, and we've got to think, you know, how many, how many Premier League center backs are 18 or 19 years old? Not many, right. very, yeah. very few ever come through at that age. Normally, you're looking at, you know, 21, 22 probably before you're getting a chance. So, yeah, I, I think he could do with a loan. He probably. Uh, probably, you know, a couple of seasons just given the position he's playing in and, and his age and, uh, and his size at the moment. Um, but he's one that I could see coming through and playing for us if those loan seasons go well and he continues to develop and he fills out and, you know, all of the things that need to go right in order for you to, to come through happen. But he's certainly got the potential. He's a very exciting player. And yeah, he's, he's one of, one of the picks, pick of the under 21s for me. I think Will Lankshire again. We've we've discussed, um, mm-hmm. you know, in, in some detail. It's really tough with him, but ultimately, I feel that he still could do with, a, you know, a good loan season to really kick on and really kind of sharpen his tools. And I know we discussed his physicality and um, when we were doing our planning. Um, and you know, I I, I feel you know there's a little more um, I, yeah. awareness of body and so whatever. I just I think you know it's a little more. A wet, just a little I, more development and I think I, yeah. a good loan would be good I, I think we probably need to clarify when you're saying physicality because you completely threw me when you're mm. saying that because I think of physicality as size and he's, he's, he's big oh, enough no. he's a big lad sorry um, yeah and I think what you're meaning well, I think what you mean is using his size yes. to his advantage and you know yes. my counter to that is he's 18 years old he hasn't played any senior football that's the kind right. of thing that comes with with experience and age which points towards what you're saying about a and loan. growth and, and growth. I mean, it's like yeah. watching a puppy grow into their paws. I mean, without, you know. But I think the other thing we've got to bear in mind in his position, he's a centre forward. Yeah. Um, you know, you've got Richarlison and Son definitely ahead of him. Um, Valise is out on loan at the moment or come back. Could well be third choice. You've got Parrott out on loan at the, at the moment. Could also come back and play a part in that squad. And I think, you know, we should be using the forwards we've got who may be a little bit further along that line to create the space for players like Lancashire to go out on loan and get that experience and then come back. 
and you yeah. know he's got a high an ceiling point. and you know so i think we, you know we'll come on and talk about parrot and uh, and valise but i think you know we can we can we can use them maybe to give him the opportunity to go in that that experience he yeah that's I an interesting a, perspective and, and i mean again this is a really interesting one around kind of not judging players i think when he came in i'd assumed that he was a player being signed to make to fill a space a gap in the under 21s and pad out the squad and i'm really wrong you know he's he's been excellent this season and he's grown he's he's developed a lot um but yeah i think he's i think he's he he's good he, he he's got real potential <laughs> Well, I, I uh, rather uh, lightheartedly remember when his name came up in, you know, we were doing the news, uh, the, the news roundup for the week that he was signed. I remember, I remember commenting on the fact that I loved his name. It was such a footballer's name, like Will Lankshire. It just sounds like such a like traditional English centre forward's name. But all, all jokes aside, I would, I would be prepared to um, bet another pound of coffee um, uh, that he will absolutely come back uh, and and have a, a role at our football club as a prominent forward i think he's i th- he's a player i think will make it with us but i do think he's going to have to do a couple of loan stints first but i think he's coming back i i really do and by the way i will send you the two pounds of coffee i owe you and i hope that you will send yep. me back the pound that you owe me but we'll deal with that later let's talk about tyrese hall a player that you've already said you find very exciting um mm-hmm. i've not seen enough of him to judge so I mean, but we're talking about i think with can we Tyrese Hall, Leo Black, and the exciting and much discussed Mikey Moore. Can we group these as players? Should I wrestle them through quickly? Yeah, Yeah, I mean, they're they're at different stages of their development. So, Tyrese Hall's 18 year old centre midfielder, mainly plays for the under 18s, excellent technique, good eye for goal, really, again, really good ball carrier, line breaker. Um, Played 12 times for the under 18s um, in the Premier League, or under 18 Premier League, scoring three goals and getting three assists. He's made two appearances in Premier League 2, so for the under 21s. Um, he's got two assists and he scored two goals uh, in the FA Youth Cup uh, and scored for the under-18s against Man City. Um, I, I think he's really good. I, I think I'm hoping that he'll make that step up to the under-21s and we just you know see how he goes. But he's, I think he's um, a very, very uh, Ange-friendly, uh, appropriate player. Uh, Leo Black, 18-year-old right back, inverts a treat. Uh, looks a really good fit for Ange again. 15 games for the under-18s in the um, under-18s in the under-18 Premier League this season, scoring four goals and getting six assists from right back. He can also play midfield. Uh, another one I think should be fast-tracked and brought through uh, to the under-21s. Mikey Mills, just 16, uh, forward, left wing, central midfield, 12 goals and seven assists in 10 under-18 Premier League games this season. Really exciting. You know, we fought off interest from loads of clubs to get him to sign a contract this summer. Um, yeah, one of the best prospects we've seen coming through for a while, but he's only 16. <laughs> and um, I think we're getting a little ahead of ourselves on him. We're never going to see a Wayne Rooney again, are we? Um, I mean, you might do, but... I mean, I'm not sure even that that's, um, you know, what you want, because I think um, players only have so many games, so many minutes in their legs across a career. And I think playing kind of, you know, full on kind of physical football at, uh, you know, very young age isn't, you know, I think cuts your, cuts your career short. So um, I mean, yeah. Mikey Moore is just, you know, wonderful players. I'm sure most people listening to this will have seen some of the goals on, on YouTube or Spurs play or, you know, watch him play a bit. He's, he, you know, he's very, very exciting. Um, yeah. But, you know, he's 16 years old. He's probably, you know, three years away from the first team. It's good to look at these players. Why don't we look at how some of our current low knees are doing, shall we? Um, yeah, I, I think Troy Parrott is a very, very interesting uh, conundrum 
if you want, because he's he's doing extremely well in Belgium, but it is the Belgian league. Um, he's made several changes to the way he prepares himself for um, professional football, which seem to have been very sorry, beneficial. Steph, you might want to start that again. He's playing in the Netherlands. Oh, Excelsior, Rotterdam. That's the other. That's the other Belgium. Mm. <laughs> We're back to Jan Vertonghen territory, yeah. aren't we? <laughs> Let's look at how some of our current loanees are doing uh, now. I think it's uh, it's really interesting because especially when we consider the likes of Troy Parrott, um, you know, we're, we're in a bit of a conundrum. This is a player who very, very talented. Uh, he's been around for, for some time. Um, he's been on several loans. He certainly uh, appears to have adjusted the way he prepares for professional football um, and, you know, in a very, with very positive results. He's doing very well. Uh, in the Netherlands, um, but it is uh, it is the uh, the Dutch league. So I don't know to, to what you were saying earlier with regards to um, you know Will Langshire and and movement and so on and so forth. It sounds to me like he's a player that you would be interested in in, in reintegrating into the first team squad next season. Possibly. So he's twenty two years old now. He, as you said, he's on loan at Excelsior in in the Eredivisie, and he's got seven goals and three assists in nineteen games in the league. Um, his contract expires in the summer of 2025, so he's only got a year left. Um, yeah, he's previously had loans at Preston, MK Dons, Ipswich and Millwall. I mean, the one that really struck me is that he's made 139 first-team games now, both for the kind of us and the loan clubs, which is quite a lot of experience. Wow. Um, and that re- yeah. that really surprised me when I was kind of having a look at it, his figures for this. Um, we're not... I think this is make or break summer for him, basically. Um, we're not going to hold him around if he's only got a year left on his contract. I'm sure we'd want him to sign a, a you know, a new contract. Um, I think if he's staying around, you know, he, he helps with the club trained quota for European football. Um, you know, realistically, he'd be third or fourth choice striker. He can play, he has played kind of that, you might be able to play that 10 role as well. He can also play wide. Um, but, I think if you're real, if you're being honest, that's probably squad padding. And if he doesn't take his opportunity, then he's probably being sold the summer after. I would have thought. How how old did we say he was again? Twenty one. Twenty two. Twenty two. Twenty two. Okay, so he's a year a year or two later than uh, another forward who um, that we might know who had uh, four or five loans uh, before getting a shot in yeah. our first team. And just to, just to underscore, you know how much of football can be luck. Who knows? Let's say Troy Parrott does sign an extension. Let's say he does end up as our fourth choice centre forward. Let's say he gets on the pitch a couple of times, has a couple of uh, a couple of goals and a couple of appearances, builds a bit of confidence, maybe gets a third or fourth goal as a deflection, so on and so forth. You just never know. He could no. hit a streak and be the centre forward that we all were hoping he was going to be and he could explode. I mean, you know, Kane's career arguably, um, you know, was changed by an Aston Villa deflection with that free kick. I mean, you know, that's a, a pub discussion, obviously. But, yeah, so much. It goes back to what Simon Davies said. So much, um, you know, is <laughs> not predictable in youth yeah, football. Yeah, but I, th- I think it would be useful for us if if he, if, yeah, that could be a useful role to play in the squad next season. And, yeah. you know, we need players who can do that. Um, Alejo Valiz, um, who uh, I think got, he got the sort of loan for me that suggests we're halfway looking to sell him. Oh, no. That's what it looked like to me. You don't think so? No, definitely not. 100% not. No, this okay. is a development loan. 100% development loan. Okay. Um, the club really like him and really likes him. I think he was really beginning to find his feet when he got injured. And that was really unfortunate. And, it, you know, I think we probably would have seen him in be involved in the cup games if he hadn't picked up the injury at that time. 
yeah, Severa, a club that we've done quite a lot of business with over the last few years. Absolutely, yeah. He joined them with a knee injury, so that's kind of cut short. So I'm just having a quick look uh, right now because they're playing Madrid tonight. So he came on as a sub in the last game uh, full time. They were one nil. They lost one nil to Real Madrid. Did he get any minutes? He came on as a sub. So he's made. He's come on as a sub in the last two games for for Sevilla. Tough for me to evaluate with any degree of knowledge. Um, I, I I have a sense that he will not be a player who makes it with us. But again, that's based on an intangible. There's no yeah. Well, it's based on an intangible from the few appearances I've seen, and that's not really fair. So I think you're jumping way ahead there. You know, he's only been in the country six six months, and you know that was an adjustment period, and he wasn't even expected to be involved in the first team. But because of you know during that period, but because of injuries, he was kind of forced to. You know, he's another one. You know, a bit like. With Parrot, where you, know, you talk about kind of experiences, you know, made fifty-three appearances in the Argentine um, Primera Division, so you know the top flights across three seasons for Rosario Central before uh, before he joined us. Um, you know, he's only 20, 20 years old, so fifty-three kind of you know first-team league appearances by that age is pretty good. And I think you know you've got to think about where the where the benchmark is. So I'm not saying that he's going to be starting games for us, but again, I think he could be potentially be um, you know a useful squad member. The thing that's probably against him is that because he's only joined us last summer, he would have so for Europe he'd have to feature as a, a senior pro and count in that squad and count amongst our kind of foreign trained players because of um, you know, how recently he's joined the club. So you know maybe that points towards another loan next season because you know maybe that's a place we can't afford to lose. But I, I think he's I think he's very promising. I think he he looks like a really good player, and I don't think we'd be bumming out a player. We signed for 15 million euros. Who's kind of ahead of where you would expect them to be in terms of their development, or you know where we were, to, what we were told the plans were for him when he joined um, after six months. I, th- I think that I'm, I'm certain this is a development move. Ah, we shall see. Um, Ashley Phillips. Yeah, so he's out on loan at Plymouth. Um, joined us from Blackburn for three million in the summer. Um, he's made eight appearances for Plymouth so far. He was on the bench yesterday, but Ian Foster, the manager there, said that um, he'd played a lot and um, he, both him and Devine, he thought needed needed a rest. Um, and he's the England under nineteen captain. Um, I don't think he's ready for our first team next season. I think he looks no. like a really solid pro. He's you know he's quick. Um, he's quite good on the ball, or maybe not quite in the way that we want. My my concern about him is I think he's a bit stiff. Doesn't quite have um, um, kind of loose hips that you want in a uh, you know like a really mobile centre back. But you know maybe that comes with age. You know he's certainly physically big enough for for um, uh, the football league, and um, you know he's doing he's been getting rave reviews at Plymouth or you know in in most of his games there, he's been man of the match a couple of times. So. Yeah, I, I think you'd probably look for another loan next season. Maybe he steps up a level or, you know, things are going well at Plymouth. Maybe we send him back there again. I think with regards to Ashley Phillips, I mean, it's again, yeah, time is on his side. As we discussed, centre-halves don't necessarily, you know, come in at 19 or 20. Um, I, I think he looks like he's got a pretty high ceiling to me. And, you know, I, I would most certainly be looking for a loan for him. I don't think he's ready for our uh, for our first team squad in any in any way. But I, I feel that there's, I feel there's a player there. I really do. So um, we'll see. Uh, Alfie Devine, I think, is a really interesting case because we have a really gifted player. To your point of starting very young, <laughs> he made his debut for us at 16. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's still, I mean, he's still a very young man. 19 years old. 
signing from Wigan in 2020 is, you know, he's, uh, was held back at the club for a while so that he would, uh, meet our homegrown quota, uh, made 20 appearances for Port Vale in League One in the first half of the season, scoring two goals and getting one assist. He was recalled in January and then sent out to join Ash Phillips at Portsmouth, where he's made seven appearances in the championship, getting two assists. Um, I think he's a really exciting player. I think he's really good. He's a really good fit for our system. I think he could, again, is another one who could play that, um, that Madison role. He could also, uh, play in the, you know, maybe either of the, the wide positions in the front line. I, th- I think he's got a very, very high ceiling. I think that he hasn't, he's still adjusting to the championship and probably needs another season um, in the Championship or you know, possibly the prem- you know, lower in the Premier League in order to adjust. Um, but I, I still really, really like him. I think he's a really good player. OK, at the risk of, of challenging you in a, an area that you might be uncomfortable, cool. we've discussed um, Jamie Donnelly and we've discussed Alfie Devine just now. We've got two players who are in uh, relatively, you know, fighting for relatively similar positions mm-hmm. with regards to what we want in the squad and what we need. We've also discussed how rare it is for a player to break through and be in that squad. Um, I think we've agreed that, uh, that Donnelly is definitely a player that we would both enjoy seeing in our first team squad next season. Why do you not afford the same to Alfie Devine? Is that because Donnelly is there? Why do you think Donnelly gets the nod uh, over over Devine in this situation? I mean, it's difficult, isn't it? Because um, yeah, if Donnelly was out in the championship, you know, maybe it'd be a fairer um, comparison because you know we've already talked about that um, PL2 isn't the best quality and you know, he hasn't had that many minutes in the first team. And, you know, we haven't seen that much of him, you know, in terms of what he can do uh, progressively with the ball. So, you know, maybe it's an unfair comparison. But, you know, based on, I think, uh, the comparison I've made, and they're completely different players, but when Ollie, uh, when uh, when Skip was in at Norwich, he was one of the standout players in that division. And off, off the back of that, he came back and became a squad member for us. And Devine isn't at that level at the moment. So I can only judge him on how he's doing in the games he's playing in. And I, I think he'd have to be, and I think he's doing okay, uh, but he's he's not um, looking like a standout player in, in that league at the moment. And that's probably where he needs to be. I think if Don Lee was out on loan in the championship, we may well be saying the same thing. It's impossible to say. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I, I, They've got different qualities. And I think one of the things about Divine that I really like, he, the player he reminds me most of, and I keep saying this on this pod, is uh, Stephen Gerrard. And I think like Stephen Gerrard, he's got that adaptability that he could he could probably apply himself to half a dozen you know, positions on the pitch. And, um, you know, he, he looks, I think he looks really good. I mean, I, I, funnily enough, I <clears throat> I saw him play for our uh, like the academy select side uh, summer before last against um, a local team. And, after the game, I mean, he looked really good. Um, so, so it was a local non-league team. And after the game, one of the friends I was with knows some of the players for the local team, and they, they came over to talk to us. And they were talking about just how hard it was. And you know, these are, um, you know, these were adult players saying how hard it was. And uh, Divine, in particular, just saying that the physicality, speed, technique was just something that they'd never ever had to deal with before and that you know at that point he was 16 maybe 17 I can't really yeah 16 or 17 so yeah I think he's I think he's a really good player and you know just give him a bit more time and you know different players develop at different speeds 
but I, I think he's good. I think he's good enough. Let's round out with Josh Keeley and Matthew Craig, shall we? Mm. I think Josh Keeley's an interesting one. Uh, Irish under 21 keeper joined us from uh, St. Patrick's. We talked about him earlier on, didn't we? Uh, he's out on loan at Barnet at the moment where he's made seven appearances. Um, I think he might be an outside shout for third choice keeper next season, depending on what happens with Whiteman and Austin. Uh, I haven't seen him playing for Barnet yet. I have seen him playing for the under, our under 21s. Yeah, it's a possible. It's a possible. And Matthew Craig, he's, he's out on Doncaster Rovers on the loan at the moment in League Two. Um, he's made six appearances, scored one, getting one assist. Um, he's quite an adaptable player. He could play in central, central midfield, centre back, or full back. Uh, Scotland under 21 is national. I mean, yeah, the jump from, from League Two to, to our first team is too big. He's 20 years old now. Um, you know, he certainly needs another loan. Um, yeah, but, you know, he's a decent, decent all round player. I think, I mean, we've, you know, we've just gone through some of the brightest prospects in our academy. I think it's fair to say that of all of them, we've really concluded that there's going to be one for sure that we feel is, you know, ready for our first team squad next season. And uh, I think we'd agree that that's Jamie Donnelly. Mm. I would say the, the one we've missed out, and it's not strictly on loan, or but Lucas Bergvall, um, you know, is as, is young, um, is playing, um, and scored, not on this list not on this list <laughs> because he's not officially as yet he's scored two good goals today um, so yeah he might also be part of that squad next season but um, right. yeah not, not strictly an academy player right and uh, you know again I think the, the other player that uh, we seem to be in somewhat in agreement could definitely have a factor is Troy Parrott yeah and Valise possibly I think Parrot makes sense from everything we've been talking about, but let's face it, clearly Jamie Donnelly has been the, the, the pick of our conversation, I think, of all the youth players. But the overview has to be that we are in really good shape. Yeah. And as we wrap this up, um, you know, let's just go back to the very top of the pod where we did mention Liverpool's crash um, beating Chelsea. And I think it's really important to, to, to recognise, you know, that's that's a situation which has been in play for several years. Um, you know, their youth setup has been working in conjunction with their first team uh, via their manager and their setup for some time. And we are at the beginning of a journey of what I think is similar congruence uh, with a similar figure in charge of our first team and some really great people in charge of the academy. And it's really exciting to see how, you know, it can work. It really can work out um, in terms of bringing great products and great players into your own first team. And it's it's just great that we've got that side of things together. Uh, I'm really glad that we, we had this discussion. I mean, before we get to you bringing the week that was, I should note that we said we'd have this done fairly quickly. And I've just looked at the record time and it's, a, <laughs> yeah. it's staggering, but it's exciting. It's a really good thing. Um, and uh, yeah. I think it's been it's been a fun discussion, but let me hand off uh, the week that was to you because there has been a week, hasn't there? I'll keep it Something's really brief happened. on this, given the time. <laughs> and, um, so, seventeen-year-old centre back James Rosewell has signed his first pro contract with the club. Um, Can we evaluate whether he's going to make it with us or not? <laughs> I, can't, I can't pretend to say that. I've, Come on, I've move on. No, I'm pulling your leg. So Come on. Um, he's had a couple of injuries issues over the last few years, so it's. it's um, yeah, it's good. Hopefully, he'll get a chance with um, with the under twenty one soon. And uh, finally, Joe Hart has announced earlier this week that he'll retire at the end of the season. Uh, Joe played ten times for us in the twenty 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 one season after signing from Burnley. He left us in the summer of twenty twenty one to link up with Ange at Celtic, where he is now. Good luck, Joe. Wish you a long and happy retirement. Yes, indeed. I'll second that. <laughs> 
Anyway, look, as I said, it's been fun. It's been a slightly unorthodox pod in terms of content, but I think it'll be one that uh, I think people are going to end up going back to this uh, a few times, well, just, so a few bites of the chain. Just tell how wrong we were. Oh, <laughs> no, it's, I, I mean, I, look, I mean, but rights and wrongs, you know, it's all football. It's all part of the fun, but uh, I think... I think it's all part of the fun and it was fun. So look, thank you. (laughs) We'll be back next week to chat about our game against Crystal Palace and uh, Oliver Glasner, who I must note here, uh, apparently is famed for wearing a gilet. And apparently the the gilet is sold out of the Crystal Palace uh, souvenir shop. Do we know anyone uh, in our, you know, principality who used to wear a gilet? Well, you've bought one, haven't you? So you, you well, have apart one. from me, I've bought one because. Yeah, but that's me in our club, in our professional setup. Yeah, I mean, do we so, know anyone? Do, can we think yeah. of anyone off the top of our heads? I think um, op- occupy the manager's chair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. I get the reference. Um, you can't um, say his name, can you? <laughs> no. Um, this could be an interesting one because Glasner um, plays a three-four-three, and so we're going to see five men across the back blocking out our five forwards. He got off to a good start this weekend. Um, yeah. yeah, he was linked with us at one point. So, yeah, yes. interesting, interesting well, guy, interesting lineup. Probably not going to be an interesting football game because we're going to get stifled. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. That's next week's pod already done this week. Yeah, in the can, we can put our feet up next weekend. <laughs> there we go. Well, yeah, no, you're right. It is. It is uh, certainly um, not the sort of game that we've been enjoying recently in terms of challenges set to us by the opposition. I don't know. Let's hope he hasn't quite got his low block down. Um, anyway, thanks for joining us, everyone, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>